Welcome back to another episode of Yelling About Star Trek. My name is Christian Fox, and this is the show where I yell at you about all things Star Trek for your amusement, so I'm not yelling at my friends and family who don't want to hear my thoughts and theories on this fantastic franchise. Today, I want to do something that I should have done a long time ago, because honestly, this podcast is a year old, and I'm surprised I haven't done it, because I feel like this thing is something that all Star Trek podcasters and YouTubers legally have to do. And that, of course, is rank the films. But before I get into all the ranking fun, make sure you get out of your space pajamas, put on your shiny bear boots, get a cup of coffee, get a cup of tea, maybe some iced tea if you want to pull the Archer Maneuver, and brace for impact because things are about to get nerdy. And uh, to be honest, probably a little contentious. Now, before we start, there are a few things I want to say, just because I need to get this in the open so that there is a little less, oh my gosh, why did you say that outrageous thing? And a bit more, okay, you may be a little bit wild, but I'll allow it, I'll allow it. So just figure I want to get these things on the table. The first thing is that there are 13 movies, so there's just a lot to talk about. And because it's me, I have a lot of thoughts and opinions that I need to get off my chest. So because it's going to be very long and there's going to be a lot to talk about, I'm going to break this episode into two parts. And because this is only part one, I'm not actually going to do a Technobabble section this week, and I'll save that section for part two, which will be coming out next week. The other thing is I'm going to be ranking it from worst to best, which is probably standard practice. I don't believe there's a lot of rankings that start with the best one and then the worst. The final thing that I want to say is I'm going to be ranking these movies purely on enjoyment. So my enjoyment of the film, that being how often do I want to watch the film and how often do I want to watch the film start to finish. And of course, my nostalgia for the film and my own memories of the first time that I saw the film and things that were happening around the time that I saw it are all going to impact my opinion of it. I will be looking a little bit at the actual quality of the film itself from like a thematic film perspective, if that makes sense. So in the sense that like, what would a critic say about it? How well is the movie made? We'll play a little bit into my ranking, but not a whole lot. Although The movies that are higher up on my list are the movies that fans consider to be the best of the films and ones that even critics agree are pretty well-made movies from that technical perspective. So it will play a little bit of a part, but not a whole lot, because again, I am going to be ranking these based on my enjoyment. So with that, that... So this is my way of saying... Be prepared because I'm going to be saying some things that you're not going to like. You're probably going to think some of my rankings are outrageous and that I have some wild opinions, which I fully admit that I do. But again, the reason for those opinions is because I'm basing it on my own personal enjoyment and my nostalgia and the memories of watching those films when they came out or rather when I was introduced to them. But just be prepared. All right, that was enough yammering. Let's get started. Number 13. And in the number 13 spot, making it the worst movie in the entire Star Trek franchise, in my opinion, is Star Trek Beyond. Now, with Beyond, there's actually a lot that I love with that movie. I think it has the best Captain's Log ever. 
because it's the first time that we actually get to hear Captain Kirk talking about the stress and the exhaustion of the five-year mission. There are some episodes in the original series where Kirk will say something like, you know, ah, you know, it's been an exhausting mission for the crew, and now we need some shore leave because we did this really crazy mission on Gamma Hydra 4, and we gave them medical supplies, and it was brutal, and now we need to relax. So you get the sense that, okay, yeah, each individual mission is exhausting, but you never get the sense that the five-year mission itself is exhausting. The idea that you are just told that, okay, you have this big-ass ship, and now you have five years to complete this mission. Just go wherever and explore and make some reports and send it back to Starfleet Command, and we'll review it, and maybe you know something cool will happen. And that's the mission. And in the show, it's all very much like, wow, yeah, we're cool, man. Five-year mission. This is hardcore. I'm loving it. Isn't this so extreme? Everything is awesome. But you never get the sense that there's an exhaustion to the mission and that the crew was burnt out from it and that Kirk is burnt out from it, which you get from beyond. You get in that opening log, which is why I love it so, so much. And that's a theme throughout the the film that Kirk is exhausted. He is just tired of being captain of the Enterprise and doing the five-year mission because it's taking a toll on him. And he's not sure that he wants to be captain anymore. And of course, the arc explores great and they do it somewhat well for the most part-ish. I love the costumes in the film. I think the Beyond uniforms are quite possibly the best-looking Trek uniforms, maybe outside of the new Discovery season four uniforms now prior to discovery and actually prior to beyond the first contact ds9 uniforms were always my favorite i think they look great i still do but man beyond came out and they were like hey you thought those uniforms were cool check out these these are awesome and i'm so in and i'm loving discovery season four uniforms and i'm loving the discovery season four uniforms and i just cannot go on about them enough so i love the uniforms in that movie and of course, I got to give a shout out to Chris Pine's hair. There's no way I can talk about Beyond and not mention Chris Pine's hair because Kirk's hair has never looked better. Quite honestly, you can fight me on that. His hair and Beyond is incredible. So that's what I love about the movie. But there is the whole plot of them being on the planet, which is the whole movie, which is interesting the first time. And I, you know, quite enjoyed it the first time. But as I said... A lot of how I rank my movies is based on how often I actually want to rewatch the entire movie. And I very rarely want to rewatch Beyond. I like watching the Captain's Log, as I just mentioned and went on about for a long time. I like watching the scene when they get to Yorktown, just because the music is great and the cinematography is fantastic. So I'll rewatch certain scenes over and over again. But I very rarely want to rewatch that entire movie just because I find all the stuff on the planet is a bit of a slog and it's kind of cool, but it feels more like an episode than an actual movie to me. So it's not one that I want to go back to and rewatch all the time. Although if someone forces me to watch Beyond, I'm not going to complain because it's Star Trek and I love all Star Trek so much. And I should have said this up top, but the thing with the Star Trek movies is that quite honestly, they're my favorite movies of all time. So if I were to take any other movie and say that was my favorite movie of all time, all the Star Trek movies would be above that movie for the most part. There are some movies I don't feel that way about. But generally speaking, all 13 of those Star Trek movies are movies that are my all-time favorite that I like more than my other all-time favorite non-Trek films. 
So just keep that in mind as I'm talking, because again, my opinions might be a little bit more palatable for you. Number 12. And in the number 12th spot, as a movie that I enjoy more than Beyond, but don't think is actually a very good movie, overall, is Star Trek Nemesis. Star Trek Nemesis is not great. There's a lot of really bad stuff in the movie. I don't like Shinzon. I think he's a bad villain. He's trying to be all hardcore, like, oh, I'm, I live in the dark. I've adopted the dark. Ooh, actually, sorry, that's a Bane line. But the reason I was quoting Bane is because Shinzon has a lot of Bane-like lines when he's talking about the dark and how he was adopted and how he had to learn to see in the dark and all these things. And it sounds like it should be cool, but it's just not cool. There's just something with the way that the character was written that it wasn't very good. And I think Hardy does the best he can with the role, but it's not enough to save it. And, you know, I'm so thankful that Hardy was able to play Bane in The Dark Knight Rises because he was able to redeem himself. Not that everybody hated him in Nemesis, but I even read that he went through some really hard times because of how unsuccessful that movie was. And he really thought that was going to be his his big claim to fame. So him getting The Dark Knight Rises, I'm so happy about it. It's like someone saw Nemesis and was like, oh, this guy is sort of cool, but he's not great. But he keeps talking about being raised in the dark. Ooh, I wonder who was raised in the dark and who's a villain that actually might be cool. So they're like, let's get him. We need him for Bane. And I'm so, so happy about that. So Shinzon in the movie, not great. I also really hate the idea that he's a clone of Picard because the problem is, even though we're told repeatedly that Shinzon is a clone of Picard, we don't buy it because he doesn't look like Picard. And they explain, well, it's the aging process and the the, the DNA was broken down. And so he will get to look like you, Picard, but he's not there yet because he's still in his 30s because of all the technobabble stuff with it. And it all makes sense. But I just don't buy that Shinzon is actually Picard. Now, I don't know if I'm right about this because I don't make movies and there's no way to really say what's right or what's wrong without actually having made the movie. But I think if they really want to keep the clone storyline, which I imagine they would because that is the main premise of the movie, they actually would have been a lot more successful if they had Patrick Stewart play Shinzon instead of Tom Hardy because then you could really feel that, whoa, it really is Picard facing himself and facing an evil version of himself. And that would have been really compelling. So the Shinzon character, not great. And even even the action for me kind of drags. Like, it's cool in theory. It should be cool to see the Enterprise being attacked by this massive spaceship that just has all these armaments and just looks like a predator you know as and it has like cool wings it's almost like a bird of prey but a super badass bird of prey that should be cool and the action in parts does look awesome but it drags out way too long and you're like all right like this is just going on for for such a long time just get to the point and when I think of the final battle of Nemesis, I always think of Attack of the Clones, which is a movie that I won't even get into my thoughts on Attack of the Clones, but I do enjoy aspects of it, even though I think it's oof, it's it's hard to watch. But I always think of the scene where the Jedi are on Geonosis and they're fighting all the battle droids. Like that should be a cool moment. And I feel like every few years I go back and watch it. I'm like, is this really cool? And I'm like, ah, oh, this still isn't cool. I feel the same way about Birkin. I could go on about things that I'm like, think should be cool in theory that I go back to every so often then realize they're not that great. And so that is my overall feeling about the final battle in Nemesis. So action, 
also not great. Now, the reason I have it above Beyond is because of my own personal nostalgia for the movie. It was the first Star Trek movie that ever came out that I remember vividly watching in theater that was New Trek because it was just like, oh my gosh, Picard and the TNG cast are coming back one last time. How cool is that? I remember watching the trailer before we had high-speed internet, I think. So trying to download that thing was was a huge mission. But like watching the trailer and hearing Picard's voiceover saying, wow, we truly are going to the unknown. Like that was such a cool line. So my hype levels were just off the chart. And the actual viewing of the movie was kind of fun. I brought my buddy Alex to go see it with me, who I don't know why he agreed to go do that. And Alex, if... By some miracle, you're watching this episode. I really am sorry that I made you go watch Nemesis with me because Alex is not a Trekkie and taking him to Nemesis for his first Star Trek movie ever was not a good call because fans didn't like the movie. And if fans don't like the movie, then guaranteed people that don't like Trek are not going to be into it. So he, he didn't have fun with it. But it was just a fun experience. And outside of the experience, there's actually quite a few things that I like in the movie. I like the wedding. I think it's great that we finally get to see Troy and Riker get married after, what, 17 years, I think it is. I love seeing Data Singh. He actually does a really good job. It has a fantastic, and he does a really good job. It has a fantastic voice. So Brent Spiner. So Brent Spiner, if you're watching, again, another random person who probably isn't watching this, but if you are for some reason, please release an album. You have an amazing voice. I would pay for it. So that was all great. I also just love the look of the Enterprise E in the movie. Like, I think it looks great in First Contact. It looks amazing in Insurrection. But because it's 2002, you can really see an improvement in the technology. And it just looks so good. I also love the look of the bridge. The bridge is slightly different than in the previous movies. Uh, the main reason for that is that the Alcars are different. But I like the look of the Alcars. I like the sounds. They're not quite as beepy as previous movies, but they look good. So I enjoy that. So it's because of all those things, the improved look of the Enterprise, the improved Alcars, the wedding, data singing, all of that stuff, my nostalgia, all makes this movie something I want to watch more than beyond. Like I can put on Nemesis and I have no issue putting it on and sitting through the whole movie. Now I don't want to do it all the time. It's probably at most every couple of years, but I want to do it a lot more than with beyond. So that's why Nemesis is above Beyond, even though Beyond is a far superior movie in all respects. Number 11. In the 11th spot is The Final Frontier. And The Final Frontier is considered to be one of the worst movies in the entire franchise. And I'm pretty sure that a lot of fans think it's the worst movie. And I'm pretty sure a lot of critics also feel the same way. I would not argue that. It is a pretty bad movie. There's a lot in the movie that's not good. The whole plot of finding God is kind of silly. The ease at which Cybok takes over the crew is kind of alarming. The fact that the crew side with him, that everybody turns to support him is kind of awful. And the the scene with Ahura in the desert is just like, okay, why did you make Ahura do that? What was the point of that scene? I mean, the music is actually pretty good. Like her, her, her song is actually, you know, quite enjoyable to listen to. But just that scene is just so out of place. And it's just there's so many decisions that I feel that Shatner made as a director in that film that just were kind of like Shatner. What are you thinking? It seemed like even, you know, a lot of the cast and crew were kind of like, hey, dude, we love you. But like... 
what are you trying to do? And uh, there's just so much in the film that I just don't think is very good. But there are some things that I really do like. For one thing, I love the campfire scene. I think the campfire scene is quite possibly one of the best in Trek. And I actually want to do a whole breakdown of that scene down the road because I think there's so many good qualities. It does a really good job of showing you who each of the characters are. They're able to show an audience like their shtick. So for maybe someone watching the movie who hasn't seen Star Trek, they can understand who each of the characters are and what they're all about. Like you get a sense that Spock is logical. You understand how he relates to Kirk and McCoy. You get a sense of McCoy being McCoy, just being kind of snarky and sarcastic, but a loving person. You get a sense of Captain Kirk, like he's Captain Kirk and he's macho and he's awesome. But you also, you'd also understand that they have a really great bond and that they really mean a lot to each other. And that they're probably struggling with the fact that they don't have family outside of the three of them. So I think non-Trekkies and people who hadn't seen a lot of Star Trek will get a lot out of that scene. And I think it's just so great. To me, it's like on Marvel level. I think it's emotional, it's funny, it's quippy. It has all the great elements in in a good scene. So for me, the movie is just instantly better because of that scene. I also like the stuff with Kirk falling off the mountain because you, again, get a sense of who Kirk is. You understand that he's a macho guy and that he's trying to do something because maybe he's going through a midlife crisis. He's like, "Ah, I'm kind of stuck. I want to do something bold, something exciting. So that's really cool. I like Cybok a lot. Cybok, I think, is a really interesting character. He's sort of a villain because he steals the Enterprise and corrupts the crew, but he's also not the main bad guy. He's just someone who's on a quest trying to find ultimate knowledge. So I think that's pretty cool. And I love his characterization. I love the fact that he is a passionate Vulcan. I think Cybok has some great speeches, and the actor that plays Cybok is just so strong and really does such a good job of being grandiose and being like, I am someone who's just so excited about this mission and I really believe in what I'm doing and you will believe me too. And he, he has charisma. So I think Cybok, really cool character. I know there's the whole, well, he's a half-brother and what's going on with continuity? But uh, for me, it's old news. I'm over it. I've had oof, 30 years now. No, not 30 years because I did not watch this when I was born. I've had, let's say I've had 20 years to, to deal with the continuity issue of, of Cybok being a half-brother. So it's fine. I'm okay with it. I, I don't mind that aspect. I do love the scene where where Spock says, sorry. And then Kirk is like, he's sorry. He's sorry. Everything's all right. He's sorry. It always makes me laugh. So there's actually quite a lot of stuff that I do like about the movie. But, but the movie itself, not great. Still... I would rather watch this movie over the other ones that I've just mentioned. Final Frontier is one that I go back to probably a couple times a year where I'm like, I'm just in a Final Frontier mood. I'm going to sit down and watch some Final Frontier. I might only do certain scenes, but you know, every once in a while I'll sit down and be like, yeah, you know what? I want to watch the whole movie. And that happens a lot more than happens with Nemesis or, or beyond. And one final thing I want to mention before we leave this movie, and that is the shower line. The line where Kirk says to Spock, I could use a shower. And then Spock replies, yes, I think it's so perfect. It's funny. It's hilarious. It captures the humor from the voyage home, which is, I think, what Shatner was trying to go for, but didn't really succeed with. But that line is just so, so great. Number 10, 
And then the number 10 spot is Star Trek Insurrection. Insurrection is a movie that's not hated by fans or critics, but it's not loved either. It's kind of a so-so movie, like it does everything adequately well, and the storyline is, uh, it's good. For the most part, it's definitely a solid B. It's definitely a solid episode, which is why it's problematic, because it feels like, okay, this is this could be an interesting episode. Uh, I'll, th- I'll watch it. I Maybe I'll think about it for a few days and I won't think about it again. That's sort of the overall feeling of the movie. And I agree. Like, I don't think the storyline is that impressive. But because it's me and I love Star Trek, there's actually quite a few things that I really do like about the movie. One, I like Anish. I think she's fantastic. She is a really nice, sympathetic character. It's great to see a love story between Picard and Anish and they hit it off. I also love the fact that she's able to call out Picard and the Federation on some of their BS. She's like, hey, you just went on about the Prime Directive, but apparently that doesn't include spying. You won't alter a civilization's destiny, which is commendable, but you're totally fine with just spying on them without without us knowing. Like, that's totally fine for you. So it was nice to see her call out the Federation and say, hey, you know what? Maybe your Prime Directive need some revising. Maybe you ought to take this back and, and think about it a little bit. So that that was great. I also like that moment where she sees that Picard is surprised that they know about cybernetics and they know about technology. And she's like, oh, yes. Uh, well, Captain, I know you're surprised, but here's why. So Anish, fantastic character. And gosh, I really hope she comes back to Star Trek, maybe in Picard, because he just needs, you know, somebody to love, quite honestly. He's missing that from his life or or Crusher. But whole other rant. That's a tangent, as I always say, but but just something to, you know, something I'll go on about later, perhaps. I also like the action in the movie. Outside of Anish, I like Urawful and I like Dowdy. I think those are both interesting villains. Maybe not the best villains ever in Star Trek. I don't know that Urawful or Admiral Dowdy would rank as like the number one villains of all time in Trek. Probably somewhere in the middle, but I enjoy the performance. I like that Urawful is just so intent on eradicating all life on the planet and just doesn't even care about whether or not they'll die because he just is hurt by what happened in the past. So I love his, his uh, just his, not his passion. I don't want to say it's passion, like I, it's commendable, but I love how much he hates the Baku and just how badly he wants to get rid of them. That scene where he says, no, and the blood starts leaking out of his face, which sounds disgusting, is kind of cool. Uh, I still get a kick out of that. I love uh, the whole plastic surgery, stretchy thing that they have going on and how much he embraces it. I like Dowdy because Dowdy is like the best version of the evil admiral. He's corrupt. He's with the wrong people. And he is just like, gosh, Riker and Picard, just get out of here, okay? And I just love how much Dowdy is able to underplay what he's actually doing, like his whole like, hey, uh, uh, don't worry, uh, Riker and Picard, you guys can go along now. Um, I'm just going to stick around for a few days. Um, uh, you know, uh, a few loose ends to tie up. Uh, no problem, no problem. And I love the way he's just saying all these things to just get them out of there. I also just love his demise. Like, he has what such a cool death. And I just love the way he dies in the film. It's just so brutal. And I just love that Ruffalo is just like, hey, I've had enough of you. You're causing me trouble. I'm getting rid of you. And I'm going to put you on this chair and turn on this device so that you die. And basically his skin gets stretched over his bone, which is awful, but really cool death. And final thing about Ruffalo that I love is that one line of dialogue where he's like, I will not be joining us for dinner. 
So what a great thing to say after you murder someone. You murder someone, you're like, oh, well, this person's not coming to dinner. Like, it's so casual, just so brutal. Don't recommend doing this at home. Please don't murder anyone, okay? Understand me? Good. I also like the action for the most part. I think the action is actually pretty good and doesn't drag on like it does in Nemesis. It's not the most amazing action, especially when you compare it to First Contact, which we'll get into later. But it's pretty good. I like all of the firing of phasers and, you know, I love all the stuff on the planet. I think Picard being sort of Rambo-ish and just shooting all the drones is kind of cool. I love seeing Worf getting into it and smashing a drone with his with his phaser rifle. I love the stuff on the ship. I think Riker's actually pretty cool in the movie. He does some really cool maneuvers, and you get the Riker maneuver, which is pretty awesome. The joystick scene is pretty cheesy, but it's sort of fun-ish. I love the line, eject the core. I just did. And then you see that Riker smile. You know, it's fantastic. And it's fun to see them being more action-y because they're being... And I love them being a bit more action-y because they're being pumped up by the radiation that's making them a bit younger and that's maybe giving them a bit more oomph, if you know what I mean. There's a, So there's a lot of good stuff in the movie. And I like the Technobabble. The Technobabble in that movie is fun because it's a lot. There's just so much stuff. And honestly, I'm of the opinion that anything is 10 times better when a character says thermolytic reaction, which they say quite a bit in the movie. So I love the Technobabble. And it's a movie that I enjoy rewatching periodically. I don't watch it all the time, but it's a movie that I'll go back to quite a bit and I'll go through my phases. And then sometimes I'll be like, hey, I want to watch Insurrection. And so I'll pop that in. And I would say that probably happens more than a Final Frontier, although I'm not positive on that. Obviously, I haven't done enough research. I don't keep track of all of it but i would say periodically that i do enjoy watching that more than i do the final frontier number nine in the number nine spot is star trek 2009 and that is probably one of the most divisive movies in the entire franchise because a lot of people love 2009 and a lot of people did not like and actively hate it. And I'm just always amazed at the number of people that I see on the internet who are just like, oh, the JJ movies are trash. They're terrible. They're awful. Why do they even exist? I hate them. I hate them. I hate them. And I love the JJ movies. I think that they're really well done. And I felt that way about 2009. I think 2009 is a really fantastic movie. There's so much it has going for it. It has really great actors it's modern. You have better technology. I think 2009 does a really good job of showing the audience why those characters need to be on the Enterprise much better than I think even the original series did. Like you don't get a sense of why Uhura's on the bridge. You don't get a sense of why Sulu's there. You don't get a sense of why Chekhov's there. As I talked about in a previous episode, I honestly didn't know that Chekhov was a whiz kid until I saw 2009 because they very rarely reference the fact that he's super smart for his age. You just sort of assume that he's smart because he's on the Enterprise, but they never call it out. And so I love the fact that they actually call it out in the in the movie and every character gets their hero moment, like the moment where there's like, that's why they're on the Enterprise. So I think that was fantastic. The music was outstanding. Michael Giacchino killed it. And that opening theme that he has when you see the shuttles flying by and then it cuts to the 2009 logo, the Delta, and it's just so good. And I, I get so hyped whenever I see that. So there's so much of the movie I like. I think it's probably better than the next one we'll talk about, but I'll explain why when we get there. And 
outside of how great the movie itself was, there's so much around the movie that I think is so fantastic that really just elevate this to one of the greats. You know, it came out in 2009. That's why it's called Star Trek 2009 by a lot of fans. And for me, it was such a important time in my life. I was coming to the end of my high school career. As we say, I don't know why people call it high school career as if high school is a career. It's not, but it's what we say. So I was coming near the end. And that year, I finally came out as a Trekkie to my entire drama class and, well, actually the whole school because we ended up incorporating that into the senior drama night, which most people saw. So that was a big deal. I talked about this in another episode, and it just was so powerful to me. So when I think about 2009, I think about basically announcing my Trekkiness to the school. I remember being in New York after that happened, and... I was there with my classmates who were walking down some random street in New York, probably 88th and 12th. I don't know if that even is correct. I, I, I don't understand the grid system. It sounds cool, but we'll just go with that. And there was this huge poster of 2009, and the, some of my friends were like, hey, Chris, even people that actually weren't necessarily my good friends were like, hey, Chris, oh, that's so cool, man. That's two Star Trek 2009. And I flipped out because... One, it was cool that my classmates were like totally fine with me being into it and were like, hey, we're excited that you're excited. And two, it was so symbolic of where 2009 was and what it actually meant for the franchise. Because remember, this was a really popular street, okay? This was an incredibly busy street. This is New York. So it's a big time city. And this poster was huge. It wasn't just like some small little like incy bincy poster. It was a huge poster, and I felt like for the first time since Nemesis, Star Trek was a big deal. And so I think 2009 really did a good job of making Star Trek awesome again and making it something that people were so hyped for. Obviously, we as the fans never stopped loving Trek, but it wasn't mainstream. It was kind of like, ah, it's that nerdy thing. I hear so much about how Trek was so huge in the 60s and how people loved it or rather maybe the 70s, and people loved it, and how in the 90s it was such a huge thing and everybody was watching Star Trek. But then by the time I really got into it, it became less popular. People were like, ah, we've had enough. So when 2009 came out and people were excited about it, it was just so cool to be living in a time where Star Trek was awesome and people were pumped for it. So I'll always appreciate that for 2009. And it's it probably should be higher on the list just because of how technically good it is. But again, it's not as high on the list just because of my own nostalgia, my own enjoyment of it. And I don't tend to rewatch 2009 as much anymore. When it came out on DVD in, I want to say, what, Christmas 2009, I watched it so much. But I just felt like I haven't gone back to it as much as I, as I do with the other movies. Number eight. And in the number eight spot is Star Trek Into Darkness. Now, Into Darkness is pretty divisive, and generally fans don't like that movie. They made a lot of mistakes. There's a lot of issues with it. I have a lot of issues with it, primarily the use of Khan, the fact that Khan is British for some reason. 
I don't think Benedict Cumberbatch was that great as Khan. I think he did the best he could. He just didn't fit the build of Khan because, well, Khan wasn't British, so that was really problematic for me. I didn't love that Kirk and Spock had no history with Khan, and obviously Kirk and Spock don't have any history with Khan in the original series episode that he's introduced, Space Seed. But the reason Wrath of Khan works so well is because of the shared history between the characters, which you really don't get in Into Darkness. But for all of its faults and all of the things that are pretty problematic, I love the movie. And it's a movie I go back to and watch all the time. I love the opening sequence on the volcano planet. I think that is really well done. It builds the tension nicely. It sets off the rest of the movie. It's just so beautifully shot. And I I love it. I just love everything about that scene. I also love the space walk sort of thing not really a spacewalk but when they go aboard the evil ship and they get in and they get into their thruster suits and all of that fun stuff happens in space i think is really well done and i also just love the final set piece of the enterprise being pulled into earth's gravity and there's all this chaos happening on board the ship you know shuttles are falling everywhere people are freaking out and panicking they're falling down hallways people are falling off ledges it's just so chaotic and it's really cool to see what happens on a starship when gravity gets messed up. So very, very great action piece. And from a character side, I love the character development. I love the fact that you have Kirk. And for the first time in Star Trek history, Kirk was actually punished for his actions. Yes, he was punished in Voyage Home for Sinley Enterprise and Search for Spock, and he got demoted. But remember, he was an admiral getting demoted to captain and given the command of the Enterprise, the job that he actually wanted. So in a lot of ways, that was a reward for his behavior. Whereas Kirk doesn't get demoted to something that he likes. He gets demoted all the way back to Ensign and has to go back to the Academy. And eventually Pike is like, okay, well, you've done a good job. Uh, You know, just be my first officer and we'll work through this, which is really cool. But no, he is not given command of the Enterprise. He is told he's got to go all the way back to the Academy. And then eventually he's given that second chance as a high-ranking officer, but not as the captain. Now, of course... Kirk does get the ship back pretty quickly in the movie, but it's really impressive and it's really impactful just to see Kirk being punished, Kirk realizing that he's not infallible and that if he makes mistakes, that he will pay for them. And that if he you know, disregards Starfleet's rules, he will get punished for it, which is something that Kirk hasn't really had to deal with in, in the prime timeline. So I love that. I also love that Kirk apologizes to his crew. Kirk never really apologizes for things that he gets to screw into. And granted, it's not like it's his fault. He's just causing all these problems. Wrath of Khan, on the other hand, is sort of Kirk's fault. And he probably should say, hey, sorry, Scotty. Hey, sorry, everybody, because I didn't follow through with my paperwork and didn't tell Starfleet about Khan. This probably wouldn't have happened. But in Into Darkness, Kirk apologizes. He says, hey, this is my fault. I'm sorry. And really tries to fix it. And I think that is just such amazing character growth. So I love Into Darkness. I think it's one of my favorite new Star Trek productions. I go back to it all the time, as I've said. I like to listen to it in the car. There's times where I'll be driving and I'll just turn on the movie and listen to the opening scene. Obviously, I'm not watching the movie because I'm driving, but I am listening to it and I do just love how good it sounds. So I really, really enjoy that film. Number seven. And in the number seven spot is Star Trek The Motion Picture. Motion Picture is a film. That's pretty much all you need to say. It's definitely a film that was made. 
Now, it's not the most popular of the Star Trek movies. It's not the most hated, I don't think, because that honor usually goes to Nemesis, Final Frontier, and Into Darkness. But it's not real popular. And one of the most pejorative things you can say about the film is that it's the motionless picture where nothing happens. I see why people say that. It's very slow. The pace is glacial, but stuff does happen. One of the things I do want to point out before I actually get into a serious analysis of why I put the film where it is, is that it takes 40 minutes for them to finally encounter V'ger. Like it's four minutes before the movie actually starts. Stuff happens prior to those 40 minutes. Stuff happens in those 40 minutes before it gets to the plot, but it's not really like what the movie is about. So that being said, there's actually a lot that I like about it. I do enjoy Kirk in the movie. For a long time, I used to hate Decker because I thought, oh, Decker's a bad guy. He should like Kirk because Kirk is awesome. Decker sucks. And then I went through a phase of, wow, Kirk is such a jerk for the way he treats Decker. I still feel he's really awful for how he treats Decker, but I like the fact that Kirk grows and he's not infallible, even though it's not the Kirk that we wanted to see. We want to see a Captain Kirk, not Captain Jerk. I guess is the best way. I got nothing else. I apologize for that pun. I've got nothing better than that. So sincerest apologies. But, you know, Kirk is not what we were expecting in that movie. So I do like the fact that he's growing and he is learning. And McCoy has to take him aside and say, hey, Kirk, you're being a real a-hole. Stop what you're doing and just think about it. So I like that aspect. I like the mystery of the film. I love the fact that it's just this entity. And everybody's just like, what the heck is this thing? Why is it coming towards Earth? And what are we going to do about it? And how do we even stop it? So that stuff is kind of cool. The music is phenomenal. As I said before, and I'll keep saying it again, a lot of the reason I like these films is because of my nostalgia for it. And motion pictures, I've talked a lot about in my other podcasts, used to terrify me. The music was so unsettling. I just felt so uncomfortable watching it. I Felt uncomfortable by Aaliyah as a probe. Her voice was just so unnerving. The visuals, all of it was just so unnerving to me. But because of all of that, I have so much fondness for the movie, much more so than I think a lot of fans do, because a lot of fans are like, it's boring, and that's it. And I can see where they're coming from. But it does something emotionally to me that the other films don't do. It just puts me on edge, and I love it. And It's a really weird thing to say, but I really enjoy just how much the movie unsettles me and unnerves me. I also love Spock in the film. One of the great things about Spock that I don't know he gets enough credit for is how Spock can be Spock, but be different Spocks. Like motion picture, you get cold and aloof Spock, whereas Undiscovered Country, you get wise Spock. Wrath of Khan, you get wise Spock. Voyage Home, you get ditzy Spock. Final Frontier, you get sort of in-between Spock. And I love the fact that he's just so aloof and distant from the crew. And everybody knows that even though Spock isn't one to show his emotion, that he's off, that something isn't quite right with him. So I love that aspect. I like McCoy in the film, even though he will often just show up on the bridge, look around, and then go back to sickbay and do this repeatedly throughout the film aside from that i do like a lot of his dialogue i like his line uh why is any object we don't understand always called a thing i like his i know engineers they love to change things and then just some of his banter like your child is about to wipe out everything on this planet what do you suggest we do mr spock spank it so brilliant dialogue there 
So movie, yeah, actually pretty good. I, I enjoy it. I don't tend to watch the entire movie start to finish all the time, but I find myself stopping and starting sections all the time. Sometimes I'll be really into the beginning of the movie and I'll re- just rewatch the beginning over and over again. Other times I'll maybe watch the middle. Sometimes I'll end and other times I'll just watch the end of the film, which I really like. I love the the section where they're talking to Vidra and they're figuring out what the heck is going on. And they're like, Jim, we're down to 10 minutes and all of that stuff. I love all of it. So I do tend to like all of the movie. I just don't rewatch it start to finish all the time. The final thing I want to say about the motion picture is that I think it has the best ambience noise of all of the track, but specifically for the scene in engineering where Kirk is talking to Decker and has to tell Decker that he's taking over the ship. I don't know what it is, but just the the sound effects there, you can hear all these conversations happening. You can hear people going through checklists. It's just so great. And one of the things I do with that movie is whenever I get a new piece of audio visual equipment if i'm getting a new laptop or a new monitor or new speakers or headphones i will test out that section of the film because it's so good and based on how well those speakers or whatever i'm using can do that scene is how i judge the quality of whatever i'm whatever i'm listening to or watching it on obviously that's not like the only test i do but it's like if it can handle the engineering motion picture scene then you know, you bought some pretty good equipment. So motion picture, yeah, it's a movie I like. I know it's divisive, but I actually have to say I really, really do enjoy it. And ladies and gentlemen, this is where I'm going to say goodbye for this episode. Because I have been talking for a very long time, but fear not, I shall return next week with the other half of my ranking. Because this is a Star Trek podcast, I'm going to end this episode in true Star Trek cliffhanger fashion by trying to hum-sing the final music cue before the to be continued in best of both worlds part one thank you very much everyone we'll see you next time